Hi, and thanks for tuning in for Faces of Post-Secondary Success. In each installment of this series, you'll hear the deeper and often unexpected story behind a single image that has been selected by the storyteller. What connects these images are the answers to a simple question. What does success look like to you? Sometimes a picture captures more than just a moment in time. Sometimes a picture, even a school photo, can capture a glimmer of personality that's still being shaped but already focused, serious, and yes, even professional. All at the age of three. In this installment of Faces of Post-Secondary Success, meet Dr. Yolanda Watson-Spiva, who tells the story of her education-loving family, including her in-house guidance counselor, and how that history shapes her work as president and CEO of Complete College America. So we're looking at my kindergarten picture and I have no idea why I have like a little bit of a sly, like I want to have a grin, but I don't smile. I'm looking directly at the camera. There's the, the US flag, the red, white, and blue. And yet I have my, like a little suit on with a blouse <laughs> underneath in kindergarten. I have my bun and my bow and my hair, my ribbon. I was born in New York. I went to school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which was the time when my mom was um, completing her master's degree, I believe it was. And so I actually started out school there with my grandmother. I came from a family of educators, and so um, my mom initially was a teacher. She became a guidance counselor. My aunts were teachers, and so I learned how to read very early on. And at the time, in Florida, there was no requirement that you had to wait to age five to be in, in um, elementary school. And so as soon as I could read and uh, navigate the work, they put me in school. I was three years old entering into kindergarten and turned four while I was in kindergarten. So basically I started out very early, which also led to me finishing high school early at the age of 16. I was such an old soul. All of my friends were older than I, and because I took so many AP courses in high school, I finished college early because I came with so many credits into college. So I was academically prepared. I was socially prepared, um, but I, my mom was very, very strict. And so she sent me to Spelman College, even though I had other choices and got accepted to other schools, Spelman College was a women's college. And at that time, they were very, very strict on the young ladies that entered into the school. You had a dorm mother. I mean, you had a curfew. So that was a type of school, even though I was going all the way from upstate New York to Atlanta, Georgia, she didn't have any fear about me being in a big city like Atlanta. You know, I will tell you, of course, now it was the best decision ever. And the network of alumni at Spelman is vast and extensive. And the education I received there was top notch and set me up for education beyond the, the baccalaureate degree. At one point, I wanted to be an accountant. It just seemed very big. And you know, they had the, at the time with the big eight accounting firms. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, that's what I want to do. I wanted to work in an office setting. I wanted to have an office. like. My mom built an addition on the back of our home for her psychotherapy practice. And so she turned another room into like where her files and all that, those things were. So I was always in an office, if you will, too. I knew I wanted to be in a professional environment and I wanted to get up and go to work every day. I mean, I knew I wanted to do that. The definition of success, it was not really about earning a certain amount of money. 
It was about being self-sufficient, but it was also about being in a position to help others, whether that's through being philanthropic with your resources or whether it's about being generous with your time. That was the way I approached the world. I never thought I'd be in education because I felt like everybody in my family did that. And so I was an economics major and really thought I'd be in finance, which actually I am because as a CEO of an organization now, most of what I do is finance, right? The interesting part is that I had a built-in counselor. We have this issue in high schools where people can't get access to the counselor, don't know how to go to college, don't know what to do. But I had that at home, so it seemed natural to me. I thought everybody knew how to do this. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, who's not applying to college? Like, who's not going to do college visits? Who's not? And so what was really a epiphany for me, to be honest with you, was that getting to college and meeting people who got there different ways. So then I went to the University of Chicago as a 19-year-old. The University of Chicago is very, very serious, very, very difficult, and it was tough. And so from our program, which was one of the newer programs, the School of Public Policy, we had a number of students who had been selected to participate in the Presidential Management Intern Program. You have the imprimatur of the President of the United States on your selection, and you get to go into federal service. When I was in the second year of graduate school, and I began this application process, which was arduous and daunting and iterative, there were certain, you know, a number of applications and interviews you had to do across the nation. And so it was amazing, and I got selected. So that was awesome. But I also, during my uh, second year of graduate school, I got married and also had a baby. <laughs> and so we were just off to D.C. with our little family. And at the time, um, my husband was a teacher, and so he taught in the D.C. public schools, and I was on this quest with the U.S. Department of Education is where I landed for my work, and that's where I got exposed to federal policy making, and I worked in the Office of Post-Secondary Education. I also worked in the Office of Planning and Accountability, worked in discretionary grant programs. It was awesome. And then I went to work in the uh, Region 4 office of the secretary, and so I was in the Atlanta office. My mom moved to Atlanta in 91. That was also the same year that she graduated with her um, doctorate degree. And so I had seen her in the process of, you know, when she was in graduate school, but I saw her writing her dissertation. I was there when she defended her dissertation. So I saw this process and it was just amazing to me. I never envisioned myself getting a PhD until I saw her do it. It was very inspirational. She had a full-time job, a part-time job, a private practice, kids. She was doing all of this at the same time. So interestingly enough, when I went for my PhD, I had a full-time job. I had a child. I had a radio show I was doing also. So I was doing a lot of things and I finished my PhD in four years and my advisor was like, that'll never happen. And when I came in and I said, I have a roadmap. I'm going to finish in four years. It's like, nobody does that. It's going to be seven to 10. I'm like, you don't know me. It's not going to happen. I don't have seven to 10 years. I only have four years to do this. And my child was young at the time. And I'm like, this is the time that I have. And so I went in in um, 1996 and I graduated in the year 2000. In the midst of that, I talk about, you know, I was married and my husband, but um, he died in the year 2000. And so I defended my dissertation in December and in January 2000, he committed suicide. When that happened, I was like done and I wasn't going to do any, I was just like sort of in a place where I didn't want to work, I didn't want to do anything. And um, 
this was, you know, my college sweetheart and we had this life together and a child and everything was great until it wasn't. I mean, I was on a leave of absence from work and I was very close with my boss who was very understanding and was like, whatever you need. And after a while, I think my mom, she went to him and was like, she's got to get back to work. And of course, she by this time was a practicing therapist. So she's like, she's got to get up and get back to work, make her come back, like tell her she has no more days. She can't be off, you know, make her come back to work. And so he um, called me back to work about three months later or so and was like, you've got to get up and it's like I have some assignments for you to do and the work is waiting. I would take my daughter to school and looking at this picture actually because this looks just like my daughter to me when I look at it now and yet I still walked across the stage in June of 2000. So Faces of Success is also about tenacity and persistence and perseverance. The one common theme though I will tell you, I graduated from college, I went into college and I never wanted to leave. Like, I think that's why I do this work. Like, I love the concept of college. <laughs> like, it was like the best time of my life. It's just, I love being on a college campus. Anytime I get to, to visit any of the campuses we work with, it's like being in heaven because you're thinking about, first of all, these places, these um, long, many of them long standing over 100 year buildings and architecture. But you also think that so much has changed in terms of who those bricks and mortar buildings were built for, because they were essentially built for wealthy white males. And so when you walk around the campuses now and just see how far we've come as a nation and the fact that women are there and people of color are there, I just think the concept about education for liberation or the fact that there is something that's freeing about the collegiate experience and that it does completely change the trajectory of one's life. I believe it wholeheartedly and I've seen it. Thanks for taking the time to be part of our Faces of Post-Secondary Success journey. Did you like what you heard? Look for more installments and QR codes around your office space and online.